From That Cast Creative, I'm Dan Bruton, and this is the PDX Executive Podcast. A show where I talk with inspiring leaders who are shaping the future of Portland, Oregon. Every week, I sit down with business executives, startup founders, and community leaders to dive into their career journey and get insights into the impactful work they're doing in our slice of the great Pacific Northwest. Hey everyone, welcome back to the PDX Executive Podcast. As we're kicking off 2024, there's a lot of folks that I talked to probably a while ago that I really wanted to reconnect with. So it's kind of an excuse for me to catch up, but also, you know, see what their business is up to. So I'm excited to have Amina Moreau, who's the co-founder and CEO of Radius back on the show. Hey, Amina. Hey, Dan. It's great to be back. Yes. Uh, I think a good place to start, maybe for folks who are not familiar uh, with your company, um, would love to, if you don't mind, just kind of sharing a little bit about the, the story and what y'all do. Yeah. So, my goodness, so much has happened since we last talked. But (laughs) in a nutshell, Radius is a platform that's similar in concept to to Airbnb, but we don't do any overnight stays. Basically, what we do is we work with homeowners, people who have either houses or apartments or maybe even a guest house in their backyard. And we make sure that those properties are equipped with workplace amenities. So sit-stand desks, whiteboard, a meeting table, etc., And then we make them available for companies to rent by the day. And the rationale behind creating the company is that times have changed. We're not in 2019 anymore. And that most companies these days have gone hybrid. And that in the long term, it really doesn't make financial sense to pay for an office space seven days a week if people are only using it once or twice or three times a week. And we've already seen a lot of companies let go of their office space or downsize. And teams are looking desperately for unique ways to get their teams together in spaces that don't feel like a typical corporate office to inspire and to get that camaraderie and that innovation rolling again. And we think that Radius is a great place to do that. Well, it's when we first talked, I think we were kind of the market was right at the inflection point where a lot of companies were started to seriously look at their workspace and what they're yeah. going to do with it. And so yeah. can you fill us in a little bit what you observed or, you know, seen of what maybe type of companies have let go or how are they utilizing Radius? Because I think a lot has happened in that particular world since mm-hmm. we last chatted. Yep. We, some of my colleagues and I were joking the other day about how every Labor Day there's an annual push for return to office. (laughs) And uh, it seems to be less and less successful every year. It's companies and employees that are realizing that uh, you don't need to rely on traditional office space anymore in order to get work done productively and in order to build culture. It's just a different process. And so, Trend-wise, we've actually seen things level off. And Nick Bloom, who's an economist at Stanford who studies this stuff, uh, he uses the term flat as a pancake. <laughs> mm. Because if you look at the last year, it's if effectively all of these return to office pushes have not really moved the needle at all. We have stabilized over the last year. However, the other thing that he says is that while we are currently flat, he actually sees remote and flexible work growing over time. 
I get a lot of questions from people. Amina, is remote work over? Because all of the headlines are about big companies forcing people back. And first of all, those big companies are outliers. Because if you look at the statistics, 80% of tech companies are actually offering location flexibility. It's just Mm -hmm. that the big guys have the biggest PR megaphone, so they're going to make the headlines. But for every one CEO that's forcing people back, there are two other CEOs at smaller companies that are stealing all their talent Mm -hmm. (laughs) behind Mm -hmm. the scenes quietly. And so Nick sees remote work about to hockey stick. And part of that is because technology that enables remote work is only getting better. There's only more innovation happening. And the second thing, which is something that I've been seeing personally all over the place, is that because it doesn't make financial sense to pay for an office space on a fixed basis when you're using it variably, as lease terms expire, CFOs are looking at the numbers. They're seeing that it's tremendously inefficient and they're encouraging their you know, executive team to not renew. And there was a a statistic, uh, CoStar came out with it recently, that 55% of leases that were operational in 2020 are still to expire. Mm. So I'm predicting a big wave of lease non-renewals and then a massive adoption of more flexible office solutions like Radius, like co-working spaces, etc. And I think we're just at the ground floor. Well, that... That's interesting in that we still have this, according to Nick, maybe this wave that's going to happen, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I'm curious, like, how is Radius? I, I assume it's being used maybe a couple of ways for employers, like these mm-hmm. just maybe like co-working days kind of, but also more yep. specific retreat or offsite type planning meetings. I would, so I want to learn about yeah. if that's yep. true or other ways. That's That's exactly right. You've touched on two out of the three main use cases. So just everyday co-located work, no agenda, just having your people together, maybe once a week, Mm -hmm, once every two mm -hmm, weeks, mm -hmm. just so that you have that in-person relationship development. It just happens faster in person than it does over Zoom. So that's one. Two is intentional either meetings that have an agenda or off-sites where you're getting your team together and it's not about independent side-by-side work, but actually collaborating on something that is better done together. And then the third is used more through our subscription service. So, you know, anybody can just come onto our platform, book a space for the day, and that's it. But we're also offering employers team subscriptions which basically allows anybody at your company to book a space whenever or wherever they need it. And so let's say there's an intern that's been there six months that lives with three roommates and it's chaos at home Mm -hmm. and they need a little work-life separation once or twice a week, or they want to get together with another coworker on an ad hoc basis. They should be able to do that. And so with those subscriptions, um, they can whether it's for work-life separation or maybe there's a renovation happening or they just, they need to onboard a new recruit and they need a private space to do it. Uh, It makes a lot more sense to do that in a space that is private. That's harder to find at a, at a co-working space because those tend to be 
big rooms full of strangers. So you want something that's private and that's that's cool. Yeah, there. But there is also something. I'm wondering if you if there is days you do this. Um, I know you've invited some folks to these. I forget what you call them. Rad days, maybe. Uh, yeah, rad there rad is days. there That's is right. power in the maybe sometimes being around strangers. So there are there. Absolutely. Do you have a model where it's like maybe a shared? Where there could be people from different companies. Or I'm, unofficially, unofficially, yeah. yes, yes. So look. Our main value propositions are that our spaces are extremely flexibly priced, that they're unique, because I mean, it's a home that's been turned into a workspace, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not going to feel corporate. That they're close to home because they're right in in your neighborhood because they might be at your neighbor's house. And then the privacy part. And we really do talk about the privacy part um, a lot because... When people compare Radius to our competitors, our only competitors really are co-working spaces. And the biggest pain point people have with those, well, the two, are the distance you have to travel because they're usually in city centers Mm -hmm. and the privacy part. However, you make a really good point that if your goal for being in a space outside your home is to meet new people, is to network, then yeah, you should be going to a big noisy room full of people. Totally. But if your goal is to have a private conversation or to have quiet, then you want to go somewhere that's invite only. But you're right. We do do these rad work days where we will book a larger radius space and we'll invite usually a pretty curated audience because we we like to make these pop-up co-working days curated. So sometimes we just have a blanket invitation to anybody in the in the business community. And that means we have a huge variety of people, all walks of life. But sometimes we'll, we'll just make it uh, about, for example, we did one recently that was female founders of color and the investors who want to support them. Hmm. So that was really curated networking. Another one that we actually have coming up really soon is for... Uh, COOs and HR professionals, and it's actually being sponsored by um, an HR and benefits provider. Mm -hmm. We have another one coming up that is for tech companies that's being organized by the Technology Association of Oregon and Oregon Tech Works. You know, and so it's a great way to build community and meet new people while also getting a little work-life separation, change of scenery, and being in a really cool space. Yeah, this is selfishly for me. I guess you sparked the idea of using them as kind of these ad hoc venue spaces. I mean, this is probably what the homeowner doesn't want, like a huge event. <laughs> but if it's small, maybe like you're saying, a, a really curated meeting for COOs that's sponsored. Mm-hmm. Um, that's cool. That's, there's that opportunity, it sounds like, to do that. And it also really depends on the space and on the host. Yeah. So most of the time when we're talking to hosts about why they would want to join the platform, we're we're saying, look, if you ever had experience with Airbnb, this is a lot lower risk because we're putting working professionals in your home. They're not staying overnight. They're out by five. And there's a much lower risk of parties. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so there is a fine line between corporate events and parties. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But we also we we do have a few really cool venues. Like we have we actually just got a booking for this place 
this listing. It's a conference yurt. <laughs> so it has all of the amenities of a conference room. It's got the AV, the meeting table, all that stuff. That's, I've never heard of that before. I love this. Conference but it's a 50-person yurt. yurt. Okay. So it has a lot of seating in it. And get this, it's on an alpaca farm. <laughs> So must, during your coffee breaks, it must be, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it absolutely is in Portland. It's just just east of the, the 205. You big, bring a big bag of apples and you feed the animals during your coffee breaks. And you have a unique experience, but you can also have an event for 50 yeah. people. You could do a workshop. You could do networking. You know, there's the sky's the limit. So it really does depend on the property. And we're always happy to work with companies and with teams to to shortlist properties because we also know them inside out. Yeah. And I want to, you know, transition to talking about the business, but one thing I really appreciated about your platform from the start, you've very, you've been very intentional about the things you put on the platform, having that character. Right. Yeah. Um, so I think that's, that's really cool. So well, let's talk about where the business is at of where you, you know, what you can share. Like I mentioned to you, Earlier, I've been following along and seeing all the great, you know, expansion of the business and you going to different um, kind of competitions and winning some of those. So can you share just you know, where the, how the business has evolved and where it's at? Can you remind me the last time we spoke, had we already expanded into our second city in Milwaukee? No. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, so that's yeah. an update because now we're in a third geography. So... I believe it was July of 2022. So it's been a while since we've spoken, yeah. hasn't it? It might, it might have been it, right before then we talked. Yeah. 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 I, I have a feeling we were just about to do it. So, you know, with the round of venture capital that we had raised at that point, we had not set the expectation with our investors that we were going to uh, expand quite then. Okay. Uh, but what we found was we had learned so much from launching in Portland but to scale a business like this, you have to be in other cities, right? If we want to become a global company, we have to learn as early as possible what it takes to actually expand. And when we were talking about it as a team, everybody agreed that it probably didn't make sense to go to another West Coast city right away. Like we could have gone to Seattle next, mm -hmm. but Seattle is, you know, it's kind of like a bigger Portland. I mean, of yeah. course, it has some differences, right? But it's a West Coast city, and there culturally, there are a lot of similarities. And so we ended up picking Milwaukee for eight or nine reasons. But one of those reasons was because it's culturally different from Portland, mm -hmm. which means it would stress test our customer acquisition playbook. Not everything that works in Portland was going to work there. And right. that proved to be true. Mm -hmm. We encountered some hurdles over there intentionally because we learned then how to overcome them a lot of the solutions that we found ended up being applicable retroactively to some cases in portland too and we started developing a playbook not just for customer acquisition but what it takes to actually expand into a second geography hmm. and so about a month ago or so we expanded into our third market which is the bay area so we're back okay. on the West Coast nice. and the Bay Area is huge, right? We drew a big radius, no pun intended, uh, that encompasses Marin all the way down to Santa Cruz. So we are serving a much bigger market now, but because we learned 
very important lessons about what it takes to expand and how to mm. how to navigate that chicken and egg situation yeah. that you have a, as a two-sided marketplace, right? Because we have two different audiences. We've got our properties mm-hmm. and their motive, you know, the motivations of those property owners. And then we've mm-hmm. got the companies. It's like we're building two companies at the same time. And you have yeah. to keep those two sides, the supply and the demand balanced. So we learned a lot of lessons and now we're in the Bay Area. We're about cool. a month in and it's going great. I'm really, really excited about it. Yeah, that is exciting. Can you, um, so you've only been there a month. So what is it mm-hmm. going, going well down there? What are some of the things you've learned so far? That is a pretty big footprint. In it the is. Area. Yeah. Yep, it is. Actually, um, I was on NBC Bay Area just, just yesterday morning. Yeah, yeah. And uh, part of the story was about how we saw 33% growth just in that one month alone. And there are a few reasons for it. One is that the Bay Area is known to have commute challenges, right? There's a lot of traffic. And one of our value propositions is that we are right in your neighborhood. And so we're reducing commute times. We're taking cars off roads. For any company that cares about environmental sustainability, it's, you know, it's, it's a really great thing. And then it's, a, it's the hotbed of innovation over there. Yeah. And there are startups being born every hour, and early stage startups are not signing leases right now because it's it's just too expensive. Why do it if you don't have to? And the beauty of that is that, and look, we're a startup too, and we're we're right. we're operating in this manner too. We are being forced because we don't have an office to learn how to manage people in a remote and flexible settings. And we're perfecting that playbook, which means we'll probably never have a big corporate office. We'll just use radius spaces. Yeah. And, and that is what we're seeing happen in the Bay area. All of these startups are getting really good at managing in this new way. Mm-hmm. And as they mature, they bring flexible work into the mainstream. Yet another reason that remote work isn't going away. Cause there's this whole cohort effect, all of these fledgling companies that will eventually become big companies are ushering in an entirely new era of flexibility. And so that's a big reason that I'm excited for the Bay Area because that's where a lot of them are being born. That makes sense. And on the supply side, how's that been going? Um, and what's yeah. the process for that? Yeah, I'm kind of curious. It's, it's, it's actually even better on the supply side because it's it's expensive to live in the Bay Area. Yeah. And with inflation and interest rates, families are really motivated right now to make a little bit of extra cash. A lot of homeowners don't want to list their own properties that they live in on Airbnb because it's an overnight platform. If you get an Airbnb booking, you'd have to find a place for your whole family to sleep on the nights that you have bookings. Radius is just by the day. And maybe if you go to an office two days a week, you could be renting out your house on those two days. And, and of course, we do also have some investment properties that aren't lived in that are listed on our platform. Mm-hmm. But people are, you know, we're in a strange economic climate. And so if you can make a little extra cash on the side mm-hmm. in a way that's fairly low risk and pretty darn easy, mm-hmm. why wouldn't you do it? So we've we it's been really encouraging in the Bay Area and, and everywhere, frankly. Um, people are, are signing up and goodness, we should talk about the national concierge service. <laughs> so is that what, is that a new feature you have or what is that? It, 
Yeah, it is because so we're we're in those three markets officially, but most of the companies that we serve have started hiring in a distributed fashion. This is the mm -hmm. new way, right? You don't just hire wherever you have an HQ, you hire wherever the best talent is. And so what we're finding is that even if we have a customer in Portland or in the Bay Area that has a cluster of people there, they usually also have other smaller clusters in maybe Ohio or in, you know, in St. Louis or all over the country sometimes. And so we've, uh, we've launched unofficially a national concierge service, which allows us to respond to demand anywhere across the country. So if a company needs to do an offsite or a meeting, or they just want to get their team together once a week, if they give us two or three weeks notice, mm -hmm. then we can tap into our waiting list. We have a secret stash of spaces that are excited okay. to host with us, but they're waiting for us to be officially launched in their area. Mm. And, uh, and we can tap into that, make those properties available and then serve customers everywhere. It's just that we're not big enough as a company to officially say, Hey, we're nationwide, go book at will. So again, we've got to balance that, that supply and the, and demand, and it is a delicate balance. So, well, but that was an good. exciting development. Yeah, I love that because it's also good data for you to get of where the demand is going to be, right? <laughs> so, Eggs, right, um, yeah. And we're see, we're starting to see that come in. There are certain cities where we keep getting requests over and over again. We're like, maybe this should be our fourth. Mm -hmm. So, so on the investor side, can you share what quote unquote rounds you've raised, or are you raising, or mm -hmm. who you? I, I don't know what you're willing to share about where you're at on that kind of path. Sure. Yeah. So we, we raised good, you know, it's, it's funny because the buckets have all shifted, you know, what yeah, is a, yeah, yeah, what is yeah. a seed round today used to be considered a series a, et cetera, right? So everything has shifted. So I don't really like using those labels, but mm -hmm. we did raise sort of a hybrid between a family and friends and a pre-seed round a couple of years ago. And that is what we use to really get a foothold in Portland and then expand into the, into the Milwaukee market. And, uh, and then we are in the middle of a round now, which is, you could say it's somewhere between pre-seed and seed. And yeah. that is part of the motivation also for having expanded into the Bay Area because marketplace investors tend to be, they have a, a higher risk tolerance. And those sorts of investors tend to be more in the Bay Area than in the Portland market. And so uh, what better way to fundraise than to use your own product for the very meetings that you're that. having. And so we <laughs> yeah. sometimes invite investors to radius spaces and we meet with them there and then the product sells, sells itself. That's great. Um, and kind of as we end, I always just like to ask founders, like, how's it been for you? Where do you find community? Where do you find support? Um, you have a very interesting background in what you did before too. I mean, you were a storyteller, you know, filmmaker, you know, designer. So I'm curious if you still still you know find that community helpful for you now that you're a startup founder, or just kind of how are things yeah. going for you personally. Yeah, well, I appreciate you asking. It's um, look, it's a tough road. Mm -hmm. Entrepreneurship is a roller coaster, and I I knew that going in because this ain't my first rodeo, as they say. 
This is my fifth company now. Now it's the first company that is venture backed. So there are some differences to it, but I will say that my background in storytelling psychology, in filmmaking, in photography, uh, comes in handy every single day. You know, even right now, I I'm filming our our chat with the the very camera that I use to do real estate photography when we are creating our listings. And when we do rad work days and we're photographing people in our spaces, it's the same camera, you know, and when I'm working with teammates on our marketing strategy, all of the storytelling psychology stuff comes into play there. And so it is on one hand, it was a major career shift for me to go into a real estate platform because Mm -hmm. I'm not a real estate person. Almost all of my skills from my previous life are applicable here. And I'm so thankful for that because when you're building a startup, 80% of it is just getting the word out. So if you know how to get the word out, oh my goodness, it gives you such a big edge. But look, there are hard days. There are some days when I wake up and I'm like, why did I choose this again? Because it just feels impossible sometimes. But I remind myself of why I'm doing it. And I think that having a sense of purpose behind what you do is so critical. And this is something that we talk about as a team as well, because it's not just hard on me, it's hard on everybody. Mm -hmm. Everybody is Mm -hmm. making sacrifices to build this thing. And the things that really get me up out of bed are the fact that there's really an environmental sustainability component to this. There's a social component in reducing proximity bias making tools more accessible to populations that may struggle for equality in the workplace. Like that's a whole other podcast episode, but there's a lot of social good that comes from neighbors booking neighbors homes for work. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a sense of community there. You have an excuse now to talk to a neighbor that maybe you've only ever passed by, you know, and nodded while you were walking your dogs. And so those are the things that motivate me on on the hardest days. And then, of course, you got to celebrate your wins to the max. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that might be a part three down the road, just the whole community aspect of it. Um, you know, I shared with you, I'm back at, at a company now. And a big reason for me to do that, because uh, I was on my own, I missed being part of a team. Like, you know, to an extent of not five days a week <laughs> being in office, but uh, two or three. So, um, and that's that's obviously you know changed this past few years how people view that and things. So that could be a sure. part three down the road. But yeah, uh, as always, I just really appreciate you know what you're doing and you come back on the show. And where can folks learn more about Radius and what you got going yeah. on? Thanks for having me. This was great. It's great to catch up. And it's it's radius.pro. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Great. Awesome. Well, thanks so much, Mina. Thank you. Bye. The PDX Executive Podcast is a production of ThatCast, a Portland, Oregon podcast agency that partners with brands to create custom podcasts. You can learn more at thatcast.com. And please take a moment to subscribe and rate the podcast as well.